Thank you for joining us at home. We are dedicating the next few episodes to conversations on race. Our goal for this podcast from the very beginning was to simply have meaningful conversations about the foundations of home life because we really believe that the values we learn at home are those that we often live by and carry with us into the world. So we would like to share with you our journey in learning more about the systemic racism that has brought us to this day. Sadly, we as a whole have led atrocities against all minorities, particularly black people, compound for far too long. And in our ignorance, the lives of many innocent people have been tragically lost to violence. We hope that by sharing our learning process, we can encourage you to look deeper as well, to reflect on our own biases, to be curious and challenge our own ideologies, and to listen and to open our minds and hearts to just have these difficult conversations. And we're confident that this is the path to positive change and that it can all start with each one of us right at home. We'd like to thank each of our experts in this series. We look to them for insight on how we can better communicate and for the tools each of us can practice to eradicate racism and create a just society for all. We're truly thankful for their selflessness to share their knowledge with us. In this episode, we speak with Jane Elliott on One Human Race. She is an anti-racism activist and a diversity educator, giving lectures all over the U.S. and overseas. If you'd like to learn more, we're going to be sharing links to resources on our website, athomepodcast.net, and on social media. And listen to our other guests in this series, Dr. Howard Stevenson on racial literacy. And Kenny Leon on the power of story to change the world. This is Jane Elliott. I can feel the love. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Thank you again for taking the time to chat with us. We just wanted to start off by just hearing a little bit about your, your background, where you started as a teacher, what inspired you to be a teacher, and how you got into diversity education. The reason you're calling me is because I was inspired to do what I do on the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. And I had to explain to my third graders in all white, all Christian, Riceville, Iowa, why Martin Luther King Jr. was in the street and what it was he was protesting. Incidentally, that was 52 years ago. He was protesting 52 years ago the same things that blacks are protesting in Minneapolis, Minnesota today at this time. Only they have even more right and reason to protest now because we have 
television networks that are reshowing the picture of that white skinhead cop with his knee on a black man's neck with three other cops holding him down. We can show that over and over and over and preface it showing, showing it with saying, this may be uh, um, uh, discomforting to some people. If it is, please don't watch it. No, what they should do is say, if you want to see this ugly sight, go Google it. But we will not show this on our network again, because what we are using this for, whether or not they realize what they're doing, we, they are using that image to terrify young black males and their mothers. When he turns on television and his mother turns on television or anybody else turns on television to watch the news today, one of the first things you're going to see is a black man lying on the ground for nine minutes while they choke the life out of him. That tells black males, if you do something that we disapprove of, this is what can happen to you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the message we don't want to send to anyone. With what you're saying right there, how do you find this day and age where we are overly connected, whether it's through a TV medium or whether it's through social media, how do you find that that um, quick access to these terrible visuals that people can see are affecting people? We don't see all the terrible things that are happening. We only put on television the things that we are going to get the biggest reaction from. But ugly things are happening to black children and other children of color, but certainly to black children. It is an invasion of a child's privacy and it is child abuse. When a teacher stands up in front of the classroom and says, when I see people, I don't see people as black or brown or red or yellow. I just see people as people. And someday some innocent child is going to raise his or her hand and say, why didn't you include white in the list of colors you don't see? They don't do it. I'm, and someday some teacher is going to say to a group of students, I don't care whether you're black, brown, red, yellow, or green with purple polka dots. I'm going to treat you all alike. Earthlings don't come green with purple polka dots. And when you lump all people of color in with those who are green with purple polka dots, you are saying very plainly to sensitive students, your color is like a, a non-earthling. My color, on the other hand, is right. People say to me, well, aren't you a white woman? Can you tell where my shirt leaves off and my skin Can you? What color is my shirt? Yeah, it's white. White. Then what color is my skin? It's uh, it's off-white. It's not white. It's not even off-white. It's not off-white. It's not tan white. and speckled and spotted, but it is not white. And how long has this been going on? Do you know? Well, I mean, I don't know the exact dates, but I know that this has been going on far too long. I'll give you the exact date because you should know it. It started in 1492 when the Spanish Inquisition was going on and Torquemada was looking for a group that he could kill, but he couldn't tell what their religion was. And so they killed a numerous Christians before they realized that you couldn't tell a person's religion by looking at them. So they had to find a way that a visible way to tell whether or not people desire to de deserve to die. And he set upon skin color. That was in 1492, the same year that Columbus discovered America. That's mm. how long this has been going on. This hasn't been going on forever. This is something that white people created. And I have on a shirt this sentence. God created human beings. God created a race, one race, the human race. Human beings created racism. We created racism in the late 1400s. 
anything you create, you can destroy. We could destroy racism in two generations if we decided to. But you have to realize there's a lot of money in racism. And if you don't believe it, then you take a look at the book, The System, Who Rigged It and How to Fix It, written by... Robert Reich. Robert Reich. Thank you. So how do we talk about one single race, one human race, while celebrating all of our differences? We can celebrate differences, absolutely. I think differences are wonderful. People of different colors have a totally different outlook on life than I have. However, you can't talk freely about race as long as you have free race in this country, as until you are freed of the idea of several different races, you can't talk freely about race. First, you have to decide that we're all members of the same race. You and I, the two of you and I are 30th to 50th cousins because we all of us had the same ancestor back there between 300,000 and 500,000 years ago. So it's time for us to stop regarding different color groups as different races. The human race is composed of many different colors, many different genders, many different gender orientations, many different ages, many different religions, many different ethnicities. But to talk about one another as if we are members of different races has to be stopped. The next time a white woman walks up to me and says, I don't see color, I'm colorblind. I'm going to say to her, and I probably have already told you this because I've told it to everybody who's called me this morning. I said to her, and I will say to everyone who says that to me, it's too bad that you have an eye problem. Let's get you an appointment with an optometrist (laughs) so we can get your eyes fixed. What they are saying is, I am uncomfortable trying to communicate with somebody who has this unfortunate discoloration in their skin. Now, let me tell you something. The first modern human beings were black, and they had to be, or they couldn't have survived at at or near the equator. And Mm -hmm. as those brilliant black people left the equator and moved farther from that area. As they moved away from that area, their bodies were exposed to less and less sunlight, so their bodies produced less and less melanin because the farther north they got from the equator, the more they needed the sunlight in order to help their bodies develop and use vitamin D. So people from northern climes are very pale skin, but they are not white and they are not members of another race and they did not originate in the Caucasus Mountains. So quit calling them Caucasian. Mm. We aren't Caucasian. We're African. There isn't a person on the face of the earth who isn't from Africa originally. If you all trace your DNA back as far as you can go, you will find out that a percentage of your DNA came from a country in Africa. We need to stop them cold and say, do you realize what you just said? Mm -hmm. You don't see color. That is one of the most ignorant and racist statements you can make. I'm sorry. I get passionate about this because I have been doing this for 52 years. But 52 years ago, I was on the Johnny Carson show because of this exercise. This week, I'm on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. 52 years later. In that 52 years, we have walked on the moon. We have we now have instant communication with people all over the world and if we wanted to with different planets. But we can't have a black neighbor. We can't relate positively to someone who's Asian or someone who worships in a way that is different from the way we worship. We haven't made much progress in the last 52 years. 
and and I know I know your pale faced visitor, your pale faced viewers are going to say this woman's a nut. I am living in an insane asylum because if you really believe the amount of a chemical in your skin makes you smarter and makes you more beloved of God, you have a mental problem and you need to get it fixed. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love listening to you. And when, you, when you're trying to open people's eyes as to the way they're communicating, I mean, as, as we see, there Excuse are a lot me, of I don't people. Need to, I, don't, I don't have to open their eyes. A blind, a blind person can open his, you can open their minds. Mm. I want to open their minds and shut their mouths. Mm. I'm not concerned about their eyes. I'm concerned about their minds and their mouths. What is in their minds and comes out their mouth. I'm an educator. The word educator comes from the root duck deuce, which means lead, the prefix e, which means out, the suffix ate, which means the act of, and the suffix or, which means one who does. An educator is one who is engaged in the act of leading people out of ignorance. And the number one problem, the number one mental health problem in this country is the ignorance of racism. Now, racists aren't stupid. You can't fix stupid, but you can fix ignorance and you do it with education. Mm-hmm. And you, th- you two people right now are involved in an educational experience. And if people listen to this and believe even three words of it, if the only three words they hear are one race, human, one race, human, one race, human, and one stop race, human. watching the horrible pictures of those policemen who are supposed to be to, de- to defend and protect us, deliberately choking the life out of that black man. Because he was black? No, because they have been taught, systematically taught, that black people don't deserve to die, to live. We can kill a black person and we'll feel better about it because, and I know there are white men now today saying, well, at least we got one. That's one less to worry about. And one of those white men is in the White House. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to stop calling that place the White House. That's exactly, the, sends exactly the wrong message. I remember when Richard Nixon said to a group of reporters, I'm trying to save the White House for you white people. That house was built by black labor. And most of the people who work in that waiting on and serving that case of arrested development that we call our president, most of them are black. You have to realize that that White House was not built, if if it was built for white people, the people who go in there as president do not have to be white. We had some good times over the last 12 years. Eight of them, we had eight good years. Barack Obama brought this country back from the brink of disaster by taking it out of the depression. And yes, he gave a lot of money to corporations, but he brought us out of that depression. And now this man is taking the responsibility for us not being in depression. We aren't in a depression right now, except we are going into one. We are now in a situation where we are all suffering from Trump virus. Mm-hmm. Now, you can call it coronavirus if you want to, but it would not have gotten the way as far as it did if he had done what the people in, North, in South Korea did. They stopped it immediately when they heard about it. They stopped it when they found it. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He was busy. That wasn't his job. The point is, when you, when you put in position a pale, stale male who doesn't know how to do the job you gave him, you're going to have problems. And that's the position you're in in this country right now. And -hmm. it's going to last until next January. Hopefully it will be changed. And in January, it hopefully will change. 
Well, I think a big part there as well is is trying to make sure that people are using their voices to vote because I think there are a lot of people that still feel I'm one person, I can't make a difference, but that will make the difference if more and people And he knows that and that's the reason he wants to take he wants to close the post offices so that you can't send your vote in through the mail and he wants to he wants to do away with early voting and writing in votes. He wants to do away with those things because he knows he will lose. If we vote in a legal manner, in the manner in which we're supposed to vote, he will lose. But if he has the power, if he has the power to have a situation in which we have martial law, which is what you're talking about when you talk about sending in the National Guard, then he can say he's going to reestablish martial law and then he will cancel the election. Now, you need to know that the people in the House of Representatives and the Senate have the power to put a stop to that if they will. But only one Republican sen- uh, re- Republican senator, yeah, voted to go ahead with the impeachment. One out of all the Republicans in the Senate. And now they've got to be looking back at that vote and looking at what's happening in this country today. They must be saying to themselves, we made a lot of money with him. I think we're going to suffer greatly for the amount of money we made. Yeah. You need to read Robert Rice's book. The system, who rigged it, and how to fix it. You need to read that today. And after you read that, read the book, When at Times the Mob is Swayed. Get that book and read it. It will blow you away when you realize. You see, I'm old. Obviously, I'm old. You don't get this wrinkled unless you're really old. And I'm really, really old. I understand that. But when I was nine years old, Adolf Hitler was doing what this man has been doing since he got elected. Well, we'll include a link as well when we post our podcast um, to your suggestions as well. uh, Because I think, as you said, it's important that education can help open minds. And I think what you're talking about in the administration is very important too, because it's a prime example of what you're saying. It's somebody who is not opening up their mind and closing their mouth. Uh, And it's- But what you have to do is Mm self-educate. You Mm -hmm. can't depend on what you learn grades K through 16. Because the longer they've done studies in this country that prove that the longer you stay in school, the more bigoted you become. This is a bad thing to do, and we've been doing it for far too long. It's time to start educating people instead of indoctrinating them. If what we do in this country was being done in Russia, and we knew about it, we'd accuse them of brainwashing their children. We are brainwashing our children. We don't want to call it that, and we don't call, want to, We didn't want to, and don't want to historically call what we did to the natives of this continent savagery. We called them savages because they resisted. We were the savages, and we are the savages now, who are, and tell me that we aren't savages. When you look at the picture of that black man being held down by four white men, one with his knee on his neck, you want to call that savagery, or do you want to call that law enforcement? What law were they enforcing? I'm, you see, I'm an angry old woman, but I was angry when I was younger too. <laughs> well, hey, we no, should, we, we, are we appreciate all angry, and we should all be angrier. What can we do at home in our own homes to start unlearning? Turn off the television when the news comes on and shows the picture of that black man on the ground. Do not allow your children to see that, particularly if you have child children of color because that sends the wrong message to every one of them. Turn off racist, ignorant tele- telephone, uh, television. And that's most of, most of what's out there. 
get a bunch of good books. How old are your children? If they are not in school yet, you read every book you can find about the color of man. And there's a book called The Color of Man. The, the man who wrote it sent it to me and I think 1968 or 69. It shows all these different people and explains how racism works and how skin color works. Every child needs to see that book. They need to see that book, no matter how old they are. They need to sit down with their parents and have their parents read through that book with them and then realize that all those people who are protesting, they aren't rioting, they're protesting ugliness. Realize that most of those people who are protesting are protesting the savage behavior of people who want to keep people in their place. Every year, the school board would meet, and every year the superintendent would be told that he needed to fire the town's only N-word lover. Now, people call me the N an N-word lover, and I say, thank you very much. And they say, what do you mean? I say, I'd far rather be a lover than a hater. Mm -hmm. When you call me an N-word lover, does that mean you're an N-word hater? Because mm -hmm. I don't hate him. You need to get over it. Mm -hmm. I, no teacher spoke to me for 12 years in that system after that exercise. I could walk through those halls, and I know now how typhoid Mary felt. I found that out after the first time I did that exercise. And my great-great-grandfather was one of the first settlers in that community. So this, this wasn't because I was new to the community, and it wasn't because I'm black. It's because I said it's all right not to be white. Mm -hmm. you, but you, you need to teach your children... The things that we do not say, go on my go on my website, janeelliot.com, download the three materials. The first is a set of statements that white folks make that think they aren't racist, and they are. The second is a set of commitments to, no, not commitments, clarifications of those statements, how people hear them when you say them. The third is a set of commitments to combat racism, 18 things you can do in your own environment to deal with your own racism. And then somebody will say, well, this is a societal problem. Societies are made up of individuals. Mm -hmm. And if individuals change their behaviors, we will change this society. And somebody will say, well, one person can't make a difference. Then you have to explain to me what has happened in this country since Dinosaurus T. Rump became the president. And then tell me that one person can't make a difference. We have proof every day in this country that one person can make an extremely huge negative difference. Mm -hmm. And one person can make an extremely huge positive difference if they choose to. And the way you choose to this year is vote. That's the first thing your kids need to see you doing. They need to see you going to the courthouse or wherever you vote and casting your ballot. And they need to see you doing it. And you need to explain to them why you're voting for the person you're voting for and what difference it's going to make in your country, in your state, in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do to change this situation is to vote in an intelligent manner. But first you have to educate yourself about the people who are running. Now you don't need any more education about the president. We have been well educated where he is concerned, mm -hmm. but the people that are running for the Senate and the house of representatives and the mayor and the members of the, the supervisors, you need to learn about those people and then you need to vote for them on the basis of their honesty and their citizenship and their, and their humaneness. Not their humanness, because we're all human. We're all equally human. And we are born human. We are born equal. But make no mistake about this. Racism doesn't start at birth. It starts prenatally and it keeps on until you're dead.
And there are places in this country where black people cannot be buried in the local cemetery. They have to be buried in what is called Potter's Field because we don't know what they're going to do when they get down there. This is how ignorant racism is. It is, a, that's the number one problem is their ignorance. And we can change that with education. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to give a rant here. But no, you asked please me a don't apologize. About, yeah. but we need this. And, yeah, and- yeah, but if you want to get people to listen to you, you don't play this. <clears throat> you don't run this. Anything I have said, you take out little bits and pieces of it so you can get an audience because pale faces can't stand to be called pale faces. But when we came here and invaded this land... First Nations people, the people who were here first, called us pale faces because that's what we are. They hadn't been taught that we're superior because we have light skin. They didn't know it yet. It took us several hundred years to prove that to them. And we proved that to them by raping their women, killing their children, stealing their land, and when they resisted, calling them savages. Yet who are the savages? Give me a break. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. as you had said too, we're not born racist. It's it's our environment. It's how we're taught. It's what we see around us. It's the communication to us as we're growing up. When when you were uh, teaching in an elementary school, what did, you, what did you learn from the kids at that young age when maybe they haven't been um, overly influenced by their surroundings yet? What did you well, learn from they them? They have been, but they, they have. have been. That's the first thing I learned, that they have been overly influenced by their surroundings from birth. But I found out how it feels to be the, on the receiving end of that ignorance when I told my students that first year that blue-eyed people are as smart as brown-eyed people, they aren't as clean as brown-eyed people, they aren't as civilized as brown-eyed people. Immediately, little Debbie sitting in the front row, brown-eyed Debbie, looked up at me and said, how come you're the teacher here if you got them blue eyes? That quickly, they caught on, and they caught on to how you can use and abuse people because of your power. I have never gone through a day like that before. And I never went through a day like that after because I was never shocked again. I pulled down them and I separated them according to the color of their eyes. Made the blue-eyed people sit in the back rows, the front brown-eyed people sit in the front. Let the brown-eyed people go for, first to recess and to lunch. Let them have special extra time on the playground. Treated them the way we treat black people in this commu- in this society on a daily basis. In the afternoon, I pulled down the map. And the map slipped, the ring slipped off my thumb and went around the, that map went around and around the roller with that awful sound that they make. And I said, well, I've done it again. And little Debbie sitting in the front row looked up at me and said, well, what do you expect? You've got blue eyes, haven't you? Yeah. And for just a minute, as God is my judge, I've never felt like this about a child before and only one since. I can still see the picture I had in my mind's eye that day. I could see myself backhanding that little brown-eyed witch against the wall. I wanted her to fly through the air, hit that wall, and slide down like a broken egg. And I wanted to be at the bottom when she got there. I was angry at that child for telling me that what I had said, said about me was true. 
I was, I was shocked. I was dismayed. I was disappointed. I was infuriated with the, with the example that I had been setting for those kids all the time they were in my classroom. And I went down to the, and one of the reasons I was really upset is I went down to the teacher's lounge at noon that day to share with the other two third, third grade teachers what was happening in my classroom. I needed some support. Walked into the teacher's lounge. There were probably 10 teachers in there at lunchtime. And I started to tell them what was happening in my classroom. When I had finished telling them the ugly things that were happening, the youngest of the two third, the, old, the youngest of the two other two third grade teachers said, I don't know how you have time for all that extra stuff. It's all I can do to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, she hadn't taught reading, writing, and arithmetic yet, as far as I was concerned. She had time to do the extra stuff. The other one, who was at least 62 years old and had been teaching, twisting young minds, no, educating young minds for over 30 years, said to that group on the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, I don't know why you're doing that. I thought it was about time somebody shot that son of a bitch. Oh, my God. Nobody gasped. Nobody raised their eyebrows. Nobody was shocked. Every one of those teachers either smiled or laughed and nodded because she had expressed their feelings perfectly. And as the most senior member of the group, she had the most right to say that ugly thing in that group. I went back to my classroom absolutely deep absolutely determined that no student would ever leave my presence with those attitudes unchallenged. I may not be able to change your attitude, but I can challenge your attitude and you have to prove to me that white people are superior and you can't do it because it isn't true. It is not true. And it's time to get over it. White people prove that you're superior. Act like it. Stop, stop looting, stop burning. And these aren't, these, the people who are out in the streets today aren't the ones who are looting and burning. We have looted, we started by looting this land. We started by burning and killing the native inhabitants and we're still doing it. We're destroying their water and we are talking about, and we've been talking about for 20 years, about burying nuclear waste on the res. How dare we, how dare we continue down this ridiculous ugly, unchristian, illegal, and unfair path. And now the Navajo Nation is going to be destroyed by Trump virus. And we aren't doing anything about it because most of those people out there in that Navajo Nation have no water, have no electricity, and have no, and can't get to medical attention. They have to get, go a hundred miles to get to a hospital. We're destroying that group of people. We're still working at destroying the native inhabitants of this land. And don't you tell me that good Christians are doing this. No. Now somebody's going to call in and say, well, she has forgotten about judge not that you be not judged. No, I haven't forgotten that, nor have I forgotten where it says, in so much as ye have done it unto one of these, my brethren, so have ye done it unto me. And every person on the face of the earth is one of my 30th to 50th cousins. So when you do it to the members of the Navajo Nation, you are doing it to my relatives, and I won't tolerate it. I feel, I mean, even for us, you know, Linda and I have that same belief, that same philosophy. It's not a philosophy, it's a truth, that we are all one race. We are all related. We are, there's no superior race. And But I do find even ourselves from time to time, there are things that we say with the right intention, but we misunderstand how it's being communicated or how it's being received, as you were saying. Oh, but you need to remember that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. And you also need to remember that it doesn't matter what you meant by what you said. What matters is how it is perceived. And there's another thing that we have to get over, the golden rule. 
Do unto others as others would have you do on as 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 they would have others do unto you. That's not the golden rule. The golden rule was in Chinese philosophy, and it said treat others the way they want to be treated. But we white folks changed it to treat others the way we want to be treated. No. <laughs> I believe in the platinum rule, which says, do unto others as others would have you do unto them. In order to know how somebody else wants to be treated, you have to ask them. And then you have to listen to what they say. And if what they say isn't illegal, indecent, or immoral, you have to do it. You do not have the right to treat others the way you want to be treated. If you're going to practice the platinum rule, it means you have to communicate with other people. If you practice the golden rule, you treat people the way you want to, and if they don't like it, you can say, well, it's good enough for me. Why isn't it good enough for you? Mm-hmm. It isn't good enough for somebody else just because it's good enough for me. And then you go to a bunch of people and you say, well, every white person in this room who wants to be treated the way we treat black people, please stand. And none of the white people stand. Because they know full well that they don't want to be treated the way we white people treat others. They won't stand for it. You want to see a riot. Watch what happens when we start treating white people the way we have the way we have treated systematically and constantly treated people of color. Now, if you want to see how that's going to be, if we don't change things, remember this. Within 30 years, white people will have become a a numerical minority in the United States of America. And every time I give a speech, there's some liberal, pale-faced woman who stands up and says, well, if they get power, aren't they going to want to get even with us? And I say, that's one of your major fears, isn't it? Well, yes, they're going to want to get even. So I, and, and I was at the University of Houston several, a year or two ago. And I said, okay, let's find out if you're right. And Angela Davis was sitting beside me, <laughs> which was really interesting. I said, well, every black, and there are 1,500 people in that room. Well, every black person in this room who wants to be treated, who wants to get even with all white folks, please stand. Three young black males jumped up and started to cheer and wave their arms. And the rest of those black people looked at them like, well, are you crazy? And the white people began to smile. See, it's okay. I said, that. see, they don't want to get even with all of us. They don't want to get even with every one of us. But let's be honest about this. Well, every black person in this room who wants to get even with one or two white people, please stand. The whole group stood up. Every black person in that room stood up and cheered, and they high-fived one another, and they laughed, and they and they were totally dis- totally delighted because... People of color don't want to get even with us because of our skin color. They want to get even with the people who have treated them badly. And it isn't based on skin color. It's based on our behaviors. Just because you have white skin, which you don't, but just because you're designated white doesn't mean you're right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you're white. It just means you're happy to not be called a person of color. Well, I'm sorry. But white people are people of color, too. They just don't want to admit it. I can tell where your T-shirt leaves off and your skin begins because you aren't white. And if you smile and I see your teeth, I'll see that your teeth aren't the color of your skin. Nor of your bones. And then some woman will stand up and say, well, what about the creation story? You're talking about evolution. What about the creation story? And I'm always delighted to have somebody ask that because I say, let's talk about that. According to the Bible, Jesus made the first man out of dirt. Only they, we call it dust because we don't want to say dirt. But in fact, you can't, you can't mold sand unless you add water to it, right? But you can mold dirt. And the dirt in the Garden of Eden was made out of rotted palm fronds. 
when vegetation rots and sets for a while, it turns either dark, dark brown or black. So the first man, according to the Bible, was undoubtedly a man of color. The first woman, however, was made out of Adam's rib. All bone tissue is white because it's made out of calcium. So the first woman was white, but she was made out of a part of a black man. So she, too, came from a black man. So get over it, people. That woman was just gobsmacked. She could, oh, I never heard of such a thing. I said, well, that's because you've been reading a white book out of white eyes. You need to realize that in that book, it says Jesus had feet of bronze and kinky woolly hair. Now, do you often see pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross who look like that? Of course not, because we have, in our ignorance, we have turned Jesus into a pale face in order to make him someone that we pale face people can relate to. We don't want to relate to a black Jesus, but you'll see them in a black church. You'll see more reality in a black church, even though there are only a few of them. There's more reality there than there is in any so-called white church in the United States of America. Um, when you see today, there are a lot of protests. There are a lot of people that are angry. They're frustrated. Um, there are a lot of uh, young black uh, men and women, uh, men and women of all ages, as well as allies that um, are trying to show support. But as you said, we're all one race. But there is some controversy between how we are trying to support uh, the black community uh, um, being white ourselves. How do you see a way that we can be allies and help support and help everybody see that we are all one race without offending? As long as we see each other as we are the, we are the perfect ones who can make your lives better. Well, if you're so perfect and you make and make it better, stop making it worse. Instead of saying, I'm an ally, find ways to see to it that the things that you do do not, do not support the myth of four or five different races. And do not support the falsehood, falsehood of white superiority. There's nobody white, and we certainly aren't superior. And my dad would say, if you think you're smarter than he is, prove it. If you think you're smarter than black people in this country, prove it. But you have to prove it without governmental assistance. And that's what you're getting right now. Are there some tools that you can see all of us can utilize uh, moving forward well, that we can... Go to my website, download the printed materials, go to the commitments to combat racism, read through those, check those, check no, those that you haven't done, check yes, those that you have done, then go back, circle one that you check no, put the date beside it, and decide to do it for a month. It will change the way you see your world and the way people see you in your world. Then be, be, do that first, and then get my Get the bibliography on that website. Read every book on that bibliography because the number two problem where whites are concerned, the number one problem is ignorance. The number two problem is the absolute determination that we will deny that we're ignorant. And that's what's going on. So educate ourselves. We've got to educate ourselves. We've got to re-educate ourselves because the schools miseducated us. They taught us this. You're, if you're all right, you're, if you're white, you're all right. If you're brown, hang around. If you're black, get back. That's what we teach in the schools on a daily basis. I have seen wrestling coaches on the gym floor during a wrestling match grab a black kid by his dreadlocks and throw him off the mat and say, you're not wrestling until you get rid of that hair. Would you call that racism? 
Mm. Would you call that real bad education? Would you think that 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 coach should never step onto a classroom environment, into a classroom environment again? And you know, and I know that people say to black children all day, every day, if you don't like it, why don't you go back where you came from? And blacks and Native Americans aren't allowed to be comfortable in the country in which they were here first. Native Americans were black too. They too came from Africa. They were here first. Those black people left the area of the equator and moved away from there and populated every landmass on the face of the earth. And we have the colossal gall to say that black people aren't as smart as white people. Define smart, define valuable, define human. My dad would say, a man's judged by the company he keeps and the best of companies none too good. Look at our president and the company he keeps. Three of them were in prison, but because they were exposed to coronavirus, they let them out and put them under house arrest. There are thousands of young black males still in prison who were put there as a result of Bill Clinton's three strikes you're out project. They weren't convicted of anything and they didn't plead guilty to anything. They were the wrong color at the wrong time. And we needed to have more people in prisons to keep the prison system alive. And there was a time during Clinton's time when we were going to privatize all the prisons. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Then there are no rules. Then there are, you have no constraints against treating people like animals. And if you think we won't treat people like animals, you have to look at what's going on on the border, the southern border of the United States, where we have little children of color in cages. Because Donald Trump said, we don't want those brown-skinned people coming over here. They reproduce too rapidly. What he's trying to do is keep the white race, race, the white color group, from becoming a minority group. And the only way he can do that is to in, in, to force white women to have more children. You can't do that, but you can close and plan parenthood clinics so that they can't get information about abortion. And that's what he's done. You want, if you want to get an abortion in this country, you have to go out of state in most cases because we have closed most of the Planned Parenthood clinics and we will prosecute anyone who performs an abortion. So in 1987, 60% of the fetuses that were aborted were white. Two years ago, only 39% of the fetuses that were aborted were white. What does that tell you? Are we being successful in trying to keep white people from becoming a numerical minority? Yeah, we are. You have to realize that. And we're being successful in intimidating black males and their mothers by showing the picture of George Lloyd being held down and held down and killed for nine, nine minutes. It doesn't take that long to execute a person. We executed him illegally. And it wasn't just those four fools who did it. This society did it. And if they don't find them guilty, then this society is guilty. Guilty of complicity in murder. We will have become accomplices in murder. Now, we've been that for many, many years, but it was never that obvious. The only mistake those 
cops made was they should have taken that camera away from that young woman. But that young man with his knee on that person's neck looked right up at her and directly into that camera as if to say, what are you going to do me about me now? I've got power. Mm-hmm. I think that's a frustration too when you see, you're talking about the um, the prison system uh, in in the country as well and you you see a lot of people who get themselves in positions of power and then this is also a massive money maker. I mean, the prison system... I think Absolutely. that you need to put more people in prison to make more money. How is that right? Well, every community would like to have a prison come to town because that will employ 300 people. That is good for your tax base if you have a prison in town. You don't care how the people in that prison are treated as long as the prison is there and you get, you can, your local people get employed in that prison. Criminal justice, <laughs> that's an oxymoron if ever I heard one. Two terms put together to make a who are which are in totally in opposition to one another. Criminal justice. We don't have a criminal justice system. We have a criminal criminal system. We have a justice system that's criminal. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe that, oh Lord, get the book, The Color of Law. Now get that into your head, The Color of Law, and read that book this week. And you'll find out that all these laws that we have passed, the vast majority of them, all of them have been passed by people who believe in the myth of three or four different races. And so they write laws because of that belief. And then people say, well, the law says, and you have to say, but who wrote it? Mm -hmm. Big pink men who had been indoctrinated with the myth of the superiority of white males. When you read that book, it's like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? I was I spent I spent three days banging myself on the side of the head because I should have known these things. But it never occurred to me that the reason we have the laws we have, the reason we have segregation in this country, we call it de facto segregation, as if all these folks want to live only with people who are like themselves. No, what it is is de jure segregation, segregation that was put in place by the people who write the laws. And if you don't believe me, get that book and read it. It is well-researched. And then get the book, The Myth of Race by Robert Wald Sussman. And then you'll realize that, oh my God, we have been lied to. I've been lied to for 86 years. And my father taught me all the things I needed to know and didn't realize what he was saying until I was old enough to interpret them. He didn't have time to tell us what he meant. He told us what we needed to know. And he used to say, all education is expensive. The cheapest education you get is what you pay for with money. And he's absolutely right. And I love that this is also when you were growing up and the education your dad gave you um, by experience within the home and communication within your home is such an important thing that we, you know, we feel today so many families need to have a lot of what we know comes from how we communicate with our children at home. And when it comes down to to have, They need to have grandparents who know what it's about. They need to have... But they, can't, they don't have grandparents who went through the Second World War anymore because those are all dying. We, get, we lose a thousand a day. They have to have grandparents who have suffered, who have been without, who know how to make it even though you don't have much money, who know how to work hard and expect to be paid for what you do and are willing to treat people fairly even though they don't look like you. They have to have parents. And what I'm describing are black women. 
They know all these things because they've had all these experiences on top of which they've watched their children be abused the way they and their brothers were abused when they were young. And they have to say to themselves, Colin Kaepernick was right when he refused to stand for the Star Spangled Banner. The last line of which says, oh, say may that star, may the Star Spangled Banner yet wave for the land of the free. And that's the white people in the stands who can afford the tickets and the home of the brave. And that's the black man, men on the field who are willing to risk their lives at this age so that they can have a life and afford to live when they're, when they're old. We're living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we have to put our hands over the hearts, our hearts in, in elementary school every morning and say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic which one nation under God, indivisible. The words under God were not in the pledge until Ike Eisenhower became president. And then members of the Veterans of Foreign Wars, I think it was, lobbied him to get them to put the words under God into the pledge. We have to have, we have, by law, we have to have separation of church and state in schools. We don't have separation of church and state in schools as long as children, as children are forced to stand up and say the words under God in the pledge. That needs to come out of the pledge and the White House needs to be changed to the president's residence. Mm-hmm. We need to change the racism that kids live with all day, every day. And we need to demand that the network stop playing that picture of that man on the ground while those four men kill him. I 100% agree. Well, and we want to thank you for everything that you do to educate, to help educate everybody on the, the idea that there is only one race and we need to treat each other the way each of us want to be treated. And I, I think in general, I mean, this, this world could use a lot, this country could use a lot more love. I think a lot more love. Don't, don't wait, wait, wait. We won't have a loving society until we have a just one. Forget love and give me justice. Mm. Put your love where the sun doesn't shine. I want to be given justice and I don't need your love. I appreciate your appreciation, but quit saying we're going to provide those black people with love. Because those black people know what our idea of love is. We're going to tolerate you. And that doesn't mean (laughs) we mean we'll put up with you. Just as Dick Cheney said, he could tolerate uh, lesbians. He could tolerate his lesbian daughter. He could tolerate homosexuals. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be this other definition of tolerance in the dictionary, which is recognized, appreciated, and valued. But when we say, when he said, I can tolerate homosexuals, he didn't mean I can recognize, appreciate, and value homosexuals. He Mm -hmm. meant I can put up with it. Mm -hmm. You put up with zits when you're young and hot flashes when you're old and ugly things in between that are going to go away. Do not practice tolerance unless you practice it, meaning recognize, appreciate, and value. But we don't do it. We, we, we say, like love. I can love these people. Mm-hmm. You'd best love them by treating them fairly. Keep your love and give me justice. Now, Thank have you I, so much. Have I offended you sufficiently? No. We, no. I, I, well, but come honestly, back I, and I'll say something even more. That's <laughs> 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 some things people just don't want to hear. Do what you have to do. Thank you for coming. Thank All you right? so much. Everything. We'll let you go. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jane. Okay, thank you. It's been nice meeting you. Nice you to as meet well. you. Bye. Bye now. There it feels like home.